that that's the day i realized that this is my true passion and i'm i'm going to pursue it simultaneously along with the rest of my career i have this unreasonable target of being financially independent at 21 This question has been asked to me in all the I am interviews that I sat for. Why are you here? So hey everyone, welcome to the podcast show organized by IST Credit. I am your host Gayathri Nisha, and our guest for today is Miss Priyal Kenny. An accountant by degree, Priyal is currently working as a financial consultant with one of the world's biggest consultancy firms. Apart from this, she's an entrepreneur and the founder of the Play and Shine Foundation. Yeah, it is a pan-India non-profit initiative functioning at the grassroots level, using sports as a cohesive and flexible tool to foster individual and community development. Her biggest motivation to establish such an organization comes from her sports background. She has completed at the national level as a rifle shooter and has also represented India for seven years as a member of the Indian shooting team at several top-notch international tournaments, such as the World University Games and the World Championships. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you here with us. Thank you so much, Gayatri, for the wonderful introduction, and it's indeed my pleasure to be here today and interact with all of you. So, first off, how are you feeling today? so i am uh, in general a very uh, energetic and go to person like though my uh, day is generally planned like a week in advance that's what i do weekends i do uh, have phases where i'm very spontaneous so for example today i do have uh, meetings lined up at 6 o'clock but after 6 o'clock i've just made an impromptu plan which i'm really looking forward to so i try to make the most of my uh, weekends because weekends is generally where i try to catch on to my shooting i can try to catch on to my ngo work but at the same time i really try and even meet up with a few friends or take out some me time so that is exactly what i plan to do today and i'm really looking forward to it that's great to hear so let's get started Uh, you're a national level shooter. You have won 117 medals and broken three national records. I'd love to know what got you interested in shooting and what motivated you to keep going on this unique journey. So shooting was something I very accidentally stumbled upon. I was into a lot of sports. Was a very curious kid who loved trying a lot of extracurriculars. So I tried everything right from classical singing and dancing to basketball. And then one fine day, I was in school and I happened to go to the gymkhana, I think, and I saw the notice of uh, a shooting club over there. And they said that on Saturday they're organizing an orientation session exclusively for the students of my school. And the next thing I knew is I just wanted to go there on Saturday to try and fire a few. bullets that's was that was my sole motivation that was the sole kick of actually going to the shooting range that you know i'll get to fire a few bullets on saturday and then on monday i can talk talk about it to my friends and that was as a 13 year old that's the only thing i had in mind even when i went on the shooting range i held a rifle for the first time took my first shot at the target i had no idea that this was you know going to be the big game changer of my life but uh, i i started the uh, after that after that one orientation session i did the basic training course with them and my coach was someone who always kept on motivating me that i i see some spark in you i see some skill in you i 
uh, he used to keep telling me that your reflexes are very strong so it's as if you're made for this sport so, so don't give up like keep trying keep trying so he encouraged me to participate in the internal school competitions then after that he encouraged me to represent my school so it just went on like from representing my house and school to representing my school to kind of playing for the city the zone the state and i think within a year's time i was already competing at the nationals and the kind of steep curve i had of just being someone who was playing for for her school to someone who was representing maharashtra at the national level and i was one of the youngest participants that that year at the national level even age wise and even uh, shooting career trajectory wise because of the speed at which i had made it to the nationals so that's when even uh, i kind of reflected and i gave it a serious thought that probably this is this is what i'm made for this is my true passion and this is something i should give a more serious approach to then i discussed that with my parents and of course they were more than happy they were very supportive i had my apprehensions because by that time i had already like finished my 8th grade was into the 9th grade when everyone was talking about 10 boards and 12 boards and academics and careers and at, at that point of time i was thinking about you know getting in shooting into my life which it would which was going to involve a lot of travel a lot of commitment for training but i still went ahead took that leap of faith i think uh, in my 10th grade immediately after my 10 boards i played my first international for india represented india on foreign grounds and i think there was no looking back after that i just knew this is something i want to do irrespective of what i do in my professional or my, or my academic career shooting is here to stay i think that that's the day i realized that this is my true passion and i'm i'm going to pursue it simultaneously along with the rest of my career Oh, it's really inspiring. It seems like you've come a long way, and it definitely gives our students hope that we can achieve anything that we put our mind to. Uh, so, transitioning from being a sports person to a chartered accountant, how hard was that process, and how well are you able to balance both of them? I'm really glad you asked that question because generally people mistaken the fact they think I'm a chartered accountant who became a sports person, but it's actually been the reverse. I'm a sports person who decided to just pursue uh, chartered accountancy by the side uh, along with her passion for shooting. So shooting has always been there, uh, and even in the twelfth grade. So twelfth grade was a very pivotal year of my life. Number one because I was one of the state toppers in the state board examination, and at the same time. i had just come back from an international competition where i had finished fifth uh, across the globe in my particular event so i knew i was probably at the peak of both my academic career and my shooting career and i already had in mind that i don't want to uh, discount my academic aspirations in any way i knew i wanted to do a chartered accountancy or any other professional course knew later on i even want to do my masters and i had everything planned ahead of me but then came in shooting and the entire commitment of traveling across the world attending training camps and a lot of things and it was a very uh, conscious decision i may say at that point of time that i decided for the next 3 years i would just focus on my bachelor's and my graduation so i can even do justice to the bachelor's degree and at the same time go all out and focus on my shooting because the next 3 years a lot of major internationals were coming up like the very next year i had a world championship coming up which is an equivalent to an olympics it happens only once in 4 years and i was at that point ranked number 1 in india so i was the front runner for for bagging a spot for the world championships which which i ultimately did and went on to represent india at the world championships in spain in 2014 so keeping all this thing these things in mind the next 3 years i focused on my bachelor's i pursued my shooting simultaneously and in my final year i appeared for the intermediate level of the chartered accountancy examinations and once that was out of my way i stepped down from the indian team uh, 
came back to start with my articleship, which is the three-year internship period, as you may understand it, for chartered accountancy. And then in 2019, appeared for my CA finals. And probably the first thing that I did is just picked up my rifle again and came back to the sport. So even in those three years, when I was not playing for India, I was definitely still playing for my state. I was representing Maharashtra at nationals, winning medals. So people keep asking me, how do you manage it? But the one thing I want to say is when you're really passionate about something, when you really... Uh, want to stay committed to something, achieve a goal, trust me, figure out a way to do it. Like, had someone told the 15-year-old or the 18-year-old me that 10 years down the line, this is what you're going to do, I would have outright denied it. But it was just things that came my way and I refused to give up because I know I wanted to push myself as much as I can to get the best of both worlds. I kept doing it. And I even do it now because right now I have my professional life. I have my NGO, but I still take time for shooting. I, I still participate in competitions. I'm, I'm really waiting for this entire COVID situation to die down so we can have shooting matches again. Like the last national championships that I participated in, I even made a podium finish with, with a bronze medal. So I'm pretty much in love with it. And I, I just know that this is here to stay. <laughs> That's great to hear. I've seen a post of yours where you're standing next to a stack of books of your of your CA books, and it looks like you've done a lot of hard work. So kudos to you for handling both of that really well. So now coming to the business side of things, uh, what inspired you to establish your own organization, and how well are you able to focus on it given your hectic schedule? Uh, okay, that's that's two uh, very important questions that I would love to address. Number one, uh, how Play and Shine started. So I was I was involved in a lot of social work as a volunteer right from the fifth grade. So I remember when I was ten years old, I was actually raising funds for child rights and you in school. And I remember it was my tenth birthday. Everyone had come home, and I was like actually asking them for funds because I wanted to I wanted to raise funds for this child rights a new campaign that was going on in my school and literally every guest at my party was you're a kid yourself you've just turned 10 and why are you raising funds for other kids but there was just this crazy passion in me that I I wanted to do my bit probably in a in a social sense and that that just continued but of course uh, when I was at the epitome of my chartered accountancy just struggling to keep up with shooting all this just subsided into the background took a back seat but I was just waiting for CA to get over because I knew once that is over, a lot of time will get freed up. And this is something I can get back to. So when I was in the final year of my uh, chartered accountancy, I, I started considering potential opportunities of probably which NGOs can I look at to work for, which social organizations are working in in two, in two sectors that that particularly interest me is uh, women empowerment and child development. So started looking out for opportunities here, started speaking to a lot of friends because I knew one year down the line, I wanted to zero down on one option and really go there and, and take up a probably more leadership role rather than just a volunteer of probably being a campaign head or a project manager or something. So I knew I had to initiate these conversations a year in advance. That's when I happened to speak to one of my friends who is now my co-founder, Sarthak, and he knows me since 10, 12 years as a shooter. We've traveled together for matches. And he just told me that really you always look for opportunities to stay in touch with shooting uh, and you want to even go back to the social impact space. So why don't you merge these two interests together and why not start something of your own, which will be like a sports-based NGO. It will, it will be a way for you not to give back to the sports community, but also even make sure you, you are in the social impact space. You're doing what you always wanted to do. And that idea really interests me. And he told me that if, if you really go ahead and do this, uh, you have my complete support. And because I knew him since so many years also, I knew I could, I could really bet on this. 
and secondly i even looked at it as, as an opportunity to really test my entrepreneurial acumen because i always liked taking up leadership roles both in school and college so i thought starting an own social entrepreneurial venture of our own will be really a good opportunity to even put myself to test of how how good i really come out as a leader on working a cause that is so close to my heart so it was basically a lot of things coming together that just pushed me to take this leap of faith but i had a lot of doubts initially uh, because i didn't know how many people would resonate with the idea of what a sports based ngo is or someone who's trying to use the word sport or sustainability in the same sentence so i we started up initially as a social initiative tried to see how many people align with the vision whether they understand the concept of a sports ngo but within a matter of a few months we knew this is working out people are really interested in working for this cause and then we took a conscious decision and went on to register ourselves as a separate legal entity as a charitable trust and i think it's been a wonderful journey whatever 3 3 and a half years we've been around now i've got to work on projects with the tata sustainability group uh, teach for india women in sport in india i was a part of a leadership program with the international olympic committee and i even delivered a ted talk sport for sustainability so i'm really glad like people in india are understanding this concept that has not much spoken about and i'm glad i was one of the first persons who was a sports person herself and initiated a dialogue about this yeah i've actually seen that uh, ted talk actually and you were talking about uh, being a sports socialpreneur and how most people don't know what that is exactly so um, mm-hmm. can you tell us about what the play and shine foundation is doing during this pandemic okay so generally since sports is the crux we would ordinarily do all in person workshops and events by which you know we can teach children about sports but now given the entire online model and everything's moved to virtual teaching we try we tr- we are trying and replicating that into a virtual platform so since most of the beneficiaries that we deal with are children who absolutely don't know anything about sports so you are speaking of children who belong to villages and tribal communities they don't know about sport they haven't ever stepped on a sports field worn sports shoes or even worn any form of sports attire so we knew this was an opportunity even if we are we are limited to the constraints of our home there's still so much about sport you can teach them so in april when we started working with a, a new set of beneficiaries the children that had just come in we we kind of launched this online program by which we could kind of impart sports literacy to these children so there were a few sessions where we introduced them to the concept of sport what sport is then we taught them about 10 to 15 different sports then we kind of conduct an evaluation to understand how much they are actually understanding this concept are they developing any liking or disliking towards a towards any particular sport and once we had a clear idea of that we for the deep dive into a few select sports that a majority of children had developed a liking to so within one month it's been almost a year now that the online program is running actually 14 months so from in within 14 months we took a child from we we took a child who didn't know anything about sports and transformed that child into someone who can now speak about sport name at least 15 to 20 sport can can actually talk us or have an in-depth conversation about three to four sports and personally has a liking or a passion towards one or two sports and going ahead like as a phase, as phase 2 as a part of this program once everything is opened up and you know we can actually start an on ground activities we want to match these children only who have probably developed a liking for football or a liking for badminton with the mentors under our program 
to you know give them advanced training or advanced coaching for this program so even though it was the entire lockdown situation and we of course had our constraints we still went ahead with the sports literacy programs and we used to keep sending them pre recorded sessions time and again of little yoga exercises they can do at home little stretching exercises they can do at home if someone likes football we should just send them a few football tricks that they can uh, learn at home or any chess techniques that they can do at home virtually on their electronic devices so we went all out and we did as much as we could and the results were actually very good that's amazing to hear uh, now talking about your experience as a financial consultant in one of the biggest firms uh, could you shed some light on it in terms of the work you do the clients you meet and what skills are required to succeed in this domain uh so i am in uh, consulting and i think consulting is a very challenging domain uh, you have to always be on your toes it's it's a very steep learning curve because every client project is new there's a new set of problem that you're trying to solve so you need to uh, really have that kind of acumen uh, because the work is not going to be monotonous at any point of time every day some some new uh, client problem comes to you and you have to come up to a come up with a solution for it so number one you you need to have those kind of uh, skills that you know you are a team player you are very adaptive you are very you are very flexible you you cannot be very monotonous or very rigid towards anything and secondly if you find yourself in consulting and a direct client facing role i would say you really need bespoke communication skills because uh, it's not the person who has the best solution or the best answer to everything for the client but it's the person who can really communicate it well to the client that actually has has the final win so even if you really worked hard you did your research you you came up with the best solution if you cannot put that across or if you cannot communicate that well i think as as a consultant that's that's a very big prerequisite that was pretty insightful i'm sure our listeners are rigorously jotting down these tips so um you're an inspiration for women who aspire to be entrepreneurs can you share a little about your experience at the mckinsey next generation women leaders program and also the forbes power women summit okay so i think these are two uh, women leadership programs that i was very lucky to be a part of last year so uh, starting with the mckinsey next generation women leaders program uh, it's a leadership program that mckinsey opens for all women outside mckinsey which not only gives us the opportunity to interact with other like minded women but also interact with a lot of women who are holding leadership roles in mckinsey and have really worked on some path breaking assignments or projects uh, in their careers so uh, it's 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 largely a leadership focused program where there are a few other things also involved like there's a case solving workshop involved there's a communications workshop involved but the greater crux of it is uh, why we need more women in leadership roles and why women can be equally good as leaders and it's it's, it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing workshop like whatever five or six months that we we had those workshops there were a lot of recurring sessions and more than you know listening to the other women leaders who came for me even interacting with the other women in the cohort was was an amazing experience because i was a part of the apac cohort so i know of folks from australia i know of folks from singapore i know of folks from taiwan and it's crazy because uh, through uh, through the power of the virtual world you're just connecting with someone sitting in the other corner of the world you're having insightful conversations you're solving a case together it was an amazing experience and still in touch with all of them so it's a great networking opportunity and coming to the forbes power women summit uh, 
again it was an uh, amazing learning opportunity and over there i directly got to listen to the likes of uh, you know melinda gates and a few other real real amazing world women leaders who have started their own ventures from scratch and really scaled them up to become uh, unicorn startups so it's it's really amazing and even forbes has its own uh, women entrepreneurs or women uh, lead what do you say women leaders slack channel where they have these groups for asia they have these groups for america they have this group for the africas and you can really connect with other women in your own geographic domain or other part of the world and it really helps you to network it really helps you to grow it really helps you to take tips and interact with folks who have done so much more uh, in their careers or even interact with anyone so i know of a lot of women who have been a part of these forums have been a part of these summits and actually found their co-founders there and actually went on to now launch their own venture so i i would highly encourage everyone that don't think that it's a virtual setup so what are you going to get out of these leadership programs you get out of these summits number one networking is the biggest key takeaway you find the most amazing people who not only open doors for you which your degree doesn't but you you find potential co-founders you find mentors you find a lot of other people and of course then there is these other learnings you learn about leadership skills you learn about entrepreneurial skills you learn about communication skills you learn about problem solving skills which are very important nowadays because even if you apply to any consulting role for example if you go to mckinsey's website and you ask them what are, what are the prerequisites they're looking for in a candidate they have highlighted things like leadership skills communication skills and entrepreneurial skills because these are soft skills that are not transferable and are nurtured or built over a considerable period of time like technical skills is something that are easily transferable like if someone doesn't know an excel or a powerpoint you can take a 10 day workshop and make that person learn that but if someone doesn't have good communication skills or leadership skills or entrepreneurial skills these are not going to come overnight and these are skills that are picked up when you are a part of such forums you lead about leadership you interact with such women leaders so i would highly encourage that this is the time where you can actually take advantage of it because ordinarily you would have to attend all these summits or programs in person now you can just do them from the comfort of your home on your laptop so you should actually be going all out and applying for them Thank you so much for sharing your experience. It sounds like you had a lot of fun there. Um, so you tried your hand at rifle shooting, chartered accountancy, uh, consulting, and even entrepreneurship, and you were successful in all of these. So, what do you think drives you as an individual, and how do you think a person can tailor themselves to suit different roles? So, I think my my greatest motivator, uh, how uh, funny as it may sound, is life is short because. i know there have been a lot of points of times in my career where i have discounted myself i have discounted my potential in a great way and now when i look back that that's been my biggest regret and it's my biggest regret and at the same time it's my biggest motivator because i regret that why didn't i put myself out there i regret that why didn't i go all out and chase this opportunity i regret that why didn't i knock on a lot of doors that i could have knocked on and which could have opened up for me and i would have been at a much better place right now had i made use of these opportunities so i have a lot of regrets in life uh, that i made earlier on in my career and because i do not want them to repeat because i do not want to discount myself again in my career or let go of any opportunities right now at this phase of my career i really go all out like i leave no stone unturned i i want to chase every opportunity make the most of it and most importantly i think when you put yourself out of there when you put yourself out of your comfort zone failure is inevitable like sometimes you win sometimes you learn and i have faced failure time and again and that's something i do not hesitate to own up like 
probably out of 10 times, I must have succeeded four times and failed six times. But the only reason I'm here is because I have vehemently refused to give up. And once you realize that you, you start taking failure positively, you start looking at it as nothing but a stepping stone to success. You start accepting constructive criticism in, in a positive, positive way. You stop fearing it. You stop dreading it. And you want to put yourself out there, even if it feels impossible, even if it feels you have to really stretch your potential or it's beyond the highest benchmark you've set, still you're not scared of failing. You, you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work out, I'll at least be closer to where I was yesterday. So I think that that one thing about number one, putting myself out and not discounting my potential anymore. And number two, not not fearing failure as something that will pull me down or push me to the ground, but looking at, looking at it as a stepping stone to success are two things that really motivate me or keep me going. That was great to hear. Uh, so what tips do you have for students like us to help us step out of our comfort zone and achieve what we want to do in life? So I think that's, that's one thing that you rightly mentioned in the question. That's one thing I would like to highlight or reciprocate again, that put yourself out there. Don't discount your potential or think you are not competent enough or you you don't have what it takes. You don't have you don't have the potential to trust me when you put yourself out. It feels weird. You feel out of place, but only then you realize the true extent of your potential. And it doesn't disappoint you. You always learn something new when you put yourself out there. Your greatest learning lies, uh, lies out of your comfort zone. So now I know, of course, uh, attending college from home is, is not, not a great thing. It's always better to be on campus. But but always look at the good thing of the lockdown. So I know you all are not on campus or attending things from home, but there are so many other things you can do. So I would say this is the time you can really experiment. This is the time you can take the calculated risk. You want to launch your own venture. Like start talking to people, do it on your own, or probably like identify a potential co-founder from someone you really know from your class. Like launch your own venture, see how it goes, how much you thrive, whether you can scale it up, whether you can build it, whether you can launch it. If you want to do internships, this is the best time in the world because you don't have to physically be present for the internship. Everything is virtual. So don't limit the potential of your internship. Don't apply within your own city, apply anywhere in India. In fact, I would highly encourage you to apply for international internships because a lot of companies have have relaxed all the norms that they generally follow for in-person or physical relationships. So please put yourself out there, apply for international internships, apply for international research opportunities because you may not be required to fly down, apply for international projects. Like really, really put yourself out there. You want to start your own blog, do it because this is the extra time you're going to have in hand, which otherwise would have been you would have dedicated like if you were in college that the time to travel to college, if anything else would have been happening. So whatever extra time you're having. Invested into starting your own blog, invest into starting your own podcast, YouTube channel. This is the time that you can actually go all out and try everything. And at the same time, make sure where you you have a you have clarity or you have a clear vision of where you see yourself three or five years down the line, because that's very important. Once you have a clarity where you see yourself three years or five years down the line, everything that you do today, which does not add value to get there within those three or five years. Just cut down the drama. Very honestly, I mean, if it's not going to get you there, it doesn't deserve your time and effort right now because this time in your life is, is not going to come back again. It's very easily right now to be surrounded in an environment where you might feel overwhelmed. You might not even have clarity what you want to do. But start, start self-introspecting. Start asking yourself what you want to do. Uh, like whatever opportunities you have for you. If, if someone wants to go into consulting, do a consulting internship. Put yourself out and 
put yourself out there and see whether you want to do that for the rest of your life if you want to go into investment banking put yourself out there if you want to go into product management put yourself out there don't be presumptuous and discount yourself probably you're not made for ib no put yourself out there in an ib role and see how you fare see how you survive see whether this is what you want to do for the rest of your career don't be presumptuous and don't go after a herd mentality that oh my friends all are going for finance probably finance is where the meat is or where i should be or my friends are going to product management this is where i should be self introspect have that clarity jot down your three or five five year goals and do everything it takes to get there and cut out everything else very honestly thanks for that encouragement priya uh, so with that we come to the end of today's session it was wonderful having you talk about business consultancy and sports as well so i'm sure you've inspired our viewers by sharing your personal experience thank you so much for taking our time to do this and we wish you the very best for all your future endeavors thank you so much gayatri and your and the entire team for having me here today and anytime anybody wants to get in touch with me i am i'm very much uh, accessible on linkedin so feel free to drop a note or reach out to me and i'll I, i'll try and help you out as much as i can if it even means getting onto a zoom call or, or a coffee chat to discuss more i'm always up for a good conversation definitely and i would also like to thank our listeners until next time stay home and stay safe